Today, Music Works is pleased to welcome Miguel Esteban, Associate Artistic Director of the Riga Jumala Music Festival. Miguel has diverse and distinguished experience in the production and promotion of live events worldwide across various genres, including classical music, staged opera, musical theatre and more. The festival launched in 2019 with an exciting and innovative programme and then, with even greater plans for 2020, the Covid pandemic hit. In this conversation, I'm pleased that we're able to focus on the amazing positives Miguel and the artistic director, Martin Engstrom, have been able to draw out of the situation and how COVID actually allowed them to step back and rethink what was possible in ways that will make the festival even more diverse and engaging going forward. Before we go to the studio where Miguel is waiting to speak to Music Works, we bring you this message from our sponsor. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance the UK's number one musical instrument insurer, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Alliance offer a team of music experts who understand musicians' needs and lifestyles, especially helpful during the strange times we're in. You can get cover for all types of instruments and musical equipment. Cover includes protection against accidental damage, loss, theft and more. Also, Unlike home insurance, there's no excess to pay on instrument or accessory claims. If these difficult times have shown us anything, it's that life can be unpredictable and a lot of things are beyond our control. That's why insurance is important for any musician, whether you're planning to tour the world or teach the next generation. Then, if the worst happens, you won't be left out of pocket and you can get back to doing what you do best. At the moment, Alliance have a special online offer with two months free cover. And not only that, but every Alliance music policy now includes free legal assistance and support, so you can protect yourself both as a musician and in your personal life. Find out more at alliancemusic.co.uk. So we'll now go to the Music Works studio where Miguel Esteban is waiting to talk to us about the Riga Jumala Music Festival. Hello Miguel, thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Katie. Thank you for having me. Welcome. Today we have Miguel Esteban, Associate Artistic Director of the Riga Jamala Festival in Latvia. Um, and the Riga Jamala Festival um, was launched in 2019, so it's a brand new festival. Um, and uh, Miguel has come to talk to us about what the last few years have been like and what this year will be like. With pleasure. <laughs> somewhat of a turbulent time for a new festival, I can imagine. Absolutely. So would you like to talk us through the, the nature of the festival initially? Yes. And then one, one thing I just want to um, bring up because I've, I'd never been to Latvia before becoming involved with this festival and it's a fascinating language. And then there's words to, you know, to learn how to pronounce. And one of them is in the title of the festival and it's actually Jurmala. So oh, it's actually so the Riga. No, 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 no. Don't <laughs> worry. I, I've had, and wait, wait till we get to some of these names with all these accents and stuff and it's just, it's an amazing um, experience trying to, um, yeah, uh, learn how to pronounce these things. So yeah, it's the Riga Jurmala Music Festival. Um, it's, so the basic, the basic concept is um, weekends um, that take place uh, whenever an orchestra is free. So there's four, four weekends um, during the summer months. So print, uh, primarily July, August, sometimes the beginning of September. And so we bring, a, we bring an international orchestra, either an orchestra that's on tour or an orchestra that we've um, invited 
especially for uh, the festival. They give two concerts with, if possible, their music director or chief conductor, two different programs, two different soloists. On the third evening, we have a recital. Um, it could be chamber music, it could be a vocal recital, um, again, with a, with a renowned artist, if possible. And then at noon on Saturdays and Sundays, we feature a variety of different artists um, that could be young and upcoming artists, it could be more established artists. Um, and that's basically it. So five concerts during these weekends anchored by an international orchestra. Um, the, 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 the festival was born from a desire by this absolutely amazing board of trustees, which is led by a gentleman whose name is Peter Avin, um, who's of uh, Russian and Latvian um, descent, to create something that would make a mark uh, in Latvia, that would attract international audiences, that would um, uh, promote Latvian culture, and also these natural and architectural beauties that are the cities of Riga and Jurmala. Jurmala is a, a beach resort, which is about half, half, half an hour away um, from Riga, very popular um, in Latvia and in, in Russia and in, uh, and, and tourists, you know, absolutely love it. So um, we, 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 yeah, we came up with this concept and, and it's, and it's, um, the, the implementation of it has been, has been um, I think, successful. Um, we've been very careful to focus on core classical music repertoire. So not, we don't have jazz, we don't have um, variations, at least not yet. We want to establish um, a, a sort of a, a, a profile for the orchestra, particularly with the audiences, so they get accustomed to what we're about. And then maybe later on, um, there could be some variations, but for the moment, that's the basic formula. I mean, it's fascinating. So obviously, being um, really centred around the availability of an orchestra is highly practical, um, and I imagine highly rewarding artistically to uh, to have this this fantastic set of weekends. Um, so you launched the festival in twenty nineteen, right? That's when the first that's when the first festival happened. Exactly. Um, so that presumably happened roughly as you uh, anticipated. <laughs> yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was it was extremely it was it was um, I would say extremely successful for the first year for something that didn't exist, you know, the day before. Um, and we managed to uh, put together during four weekends, um, 20 concerts. And there was we had the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra. and I'll, I'll come come back to them in a second. But the Israel Philharmonic Orchestra, the London Symphony Orchestra and the Russian National Orchestra with conductors like Zubin Mehta. John Andrea Nozeda, um, Michel Pletniev, and then Susanna Melki, who replaced Maris Janssens, who was ill um, and couldn't couldn't conduct. And we had, so I think, a total of over 450 musicians um, came to Latvia, and we had 16,000 over 16,000 um, ticket holders from over 20 countries, which is quite astounding. Like I said, for something that just yeah. came out of nowhere. Really, not to 60, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's very impressive, although um, not surprising given uh, your background and the background of the others involved in making it happen. Yes. Um, very impressive group of people to, uh, to pull off something so ambitious. Absolutely. And if I can, if I can just touch on that, it's, um, I think it's important to say that um, one of the first things that um, Peter Aben um, uh, sought to accomplish was to 
have an artistic director with an absolutely uh, international reputation, um, somebody who has an address book where you can just basically call anybody, and that's Martin Engstrom, um, who is the artistic director, I'm the associate. And um, Martin has had an, an amazing career. Um, he's Swedish, he's, um, he's, he's had a phenomenal career in uh, artist representation, and he then moved on to, to um, create this Verbier Festival in Switzerland, um, which I, I was part of the original team. That's how he and I met. Actually, I, I, we met a little bit before, but um, this, this festival has been going on for over 25 years and has become, also it started with nothing and has become something that's quite a reference point now for a lot of people. Um, and so he brings a lot of, I think he brings a lot of gravitas and, you know, uh, to this um, venture. And the proof, you know, the proof is in the pudding and the type of artists that agreed to come the first year. Um, in addition to that, you know, of course, uh, there's also, you know, the team in Riga, which is led uh, by uh, Zanet Chukstena and an amazing team there work night and day um, to put this together. So it's a, it's a collective effort. Um, and it, yeah, it, I think the result is it shows the kind of uh, dedication that everyone has to the project. Thank very you. impressive, very impressive venture. Thank you. Um, okay, so let's move on to, to 2020. Yes. Um, why don't you talk me through uh, your 2020? Well, so, so we, we, we obviously finished 2019 feeling very, very good, very, very good, um, and had already um, a lot of interest from orchestras um, to, um, to come in, uh, uh, you know, to come the following year. Um, phenomenal, um, phenomenal soloists. Uh, it was just, it was just amazing. You know, just only a positive, positive, positive um, um, uh, what's the emotion, I, I, I would say, uh, following that first edition. Um, we announced it. Uh, ticket sales were going very, very well. And, um, and then this COVID comes along. And for the longest time, um, we were hopeful. Uh, that we could find solutions, um, we were uh, to, to to be able to do something in 2020, um, but then it got to the point where we, there was just no choice. And in April, I believe, we made the the painful decision of canceling um, the entire festival. Um, I I don't know how to how to uh, describe. Um, you know what a you know what a huge disappointment that was not only for us but also also for the team and then for all of the wonderful artists that were um, that we were expecting to have. We managed um, afterwards. We managed the only sort of sort of compensations we managed to get several of them to come in twenty twenty one, but it was still. You know, we were really looking forward to that second year. <laughs> oh, Didn't absolutely. happen. The disappointment is just um, just runs through through the industry, doesn't it? Of the yeah. the, the cancellations. Yeah. Um, so, did anything happen in twenty twenty? Was there anything you know? Because I was imagining um, you know of all of the festivals to to try and make something work, and one that's based around large symphony orchestras is probably the trickiest <laughs> in uh, times of social distancing. I should I... probably ask what the situation was in um, in Latvia, because obviously I come from this with knowledge of the UK and US and, you know, um, kind of pattern of lockdowns and so on and so forth. Um, might be worth mentioning that as well. Yeah, so this is this was a particularly, this added to the, the complexity of the situation. Latvia was one of the 
at least in this first phase, Latvia was one of the more successful countries in um, in in controlling the the virus. Um, as late as in September of last year, when I went to for a press conference to announce the 2021 season, where it, it was just amazing, you know, no, you know, no masks, people were hugging and kissing, you know, it was just like it was it was just amazing because they were just really really successful at, um, at at keeping a lid on this. So they didn't understand why everyone else was out of control, right? Um, so I can understand that 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 the difficulty. Um, so to, to answer your question, yes, it, it was it was a it, it was a not I wouldn't say night and day situation, but it was there was a major contrast between what they were living in Latvia and, and what we were living, for example, in the UK and other countries. Um, and then and then to go back to your question, um, what happened in 2020? I think that as with a lot of other cultural institutions, cultural initiatives, it obliged people to be creative, um, to think out of the box and to find ways of not, obviously you could just become dormant and then just reappear the following year. And some people have done that and that's fine. And then some people have gone, you know, completely the other extreme and had online festivals, massive, you know, massive, massively complex and, and successful um, uh, digital manifestations of their of their um, of their events. It, the challenge with the Riga Music Festival is that it was it was one year old. Um, there weren't really archives. There weren't you know sort of the, it, it was a different. I think it's a different. It's a very young institution. So um, it, it is impressive the ideas that that came out of that. And there were so no no online concerts. So that that, that was that was something that they didn't want to. They didn't um, prioritize. What they did prioritize were uh, basically three things. One was online masterclasses because in, in 2020, we were going to introduce, and we could talk about this further in detail, but um, we were going to introduce a, the beginning of a Riga Yurmala Academy, so, which was always part of the initial concept. Masterclasses, encounters with the artist, discussions. So this, this transmission of knowledge from the very renowned and experienced artists who were visiting the festival with these young Latvian Baltic international students. So we were about to begin that and obviously that was um, not possible to continue. So one of the things that, that came out of the, the COVID situation was online masterclasses. The other thing was um, a, uh, an outdoor pseudo concert um, uh, free concert event. Nine, they did nine of them finally during the summer called the Musical Soiree, which took place in parks uh, at the beach in Yurmala um, in interesting venues. And for about two hours, you could just come and listen to recordings of the works that should have been performed um, as often as possible with the musicians um, that should have performed them in, um, in Latvia. And the, I think the, the, the I, I obviously wasn't able to attend, but I think they found a way of hiding the speakers. So it was sort of, you felt that the music was coming out of the trees, out of the bushes. And to accompany all of that, you had this light um, lighting designer who did these installations. So you had this also this lighting element, and then there would be somebody who would speak beforehand to give some <clears throat> background on the, on the repertoire and the artist performing. And extraordinarily successful. You know, you can see videos about it. 
um, extraordinarily successful. And it's something that was so successful that, that we're being asked to continue it um, during the actual festival this coming summer. And then the third thing that came out of that was a documentary. So we commissioned a documentary to, in homage to um, Maris Janssen's Latvian conductor, who should have been at the festival in 2019, had to cancel at the last minute, should have been there in 2020. Even before COVID, he had to, he, he passed away. So unfortunately, he wouldn't have been able to perform. But he was always a, um, a strong force. And uh, somebody encouraged us to, to move forward with this concept. So to honor that memory, um, we're, we're putting together a documentary. So again, we could talk about these things in detail, but to answer your question, it did result in some really creative ideas um, with, you know, because of the time that was suddenly available. Yeah, that's, that's really great to hear in, um, in terms of that, that is just such a, a wide range of um, different ideas with different purposes um, and how, um, how meaningful to be able to create a documentary uh, that's that's so important out of something that's so new yeah. um, and to have that it always has that kind of archival um historical importance um yeah without need without the festival having been running for long um yeah well sure i mean let's talk about these things in more detail so let's start with the academy shall we i'd love to hear about that we shall so the um as I said, the, the original idea was to have um, some online masterclasses. Um, and this is something we'll actually do uh, this coming summer. Um, sorry, not online, in-person in masterclasses, thank you. Um, this coming, and we'll do, we'll do them this coming summer. So to, to, to sort of bring to life the, the concept of the Riga Yumala, um, Academy, we decided to go forward with a, with a concept of online masterclasses. Um, and we began conversations with artists who either had, had appeared at the, the festival in 2019 or who were scheduled to appear in 2020. And the, and the reactions were immediately super positive. Um, let's go for it. Uh, they were game. Um, so we, we have managed to so far, because it's continuing, 30 um, different masterclasses which are streamed live on Facebook and then can be watched on demand on YouTube uh, under the Riga Yermila Music Festival page. Um, and we've done a mix of musicians from orchestras. So we started off with the uh, musicians, usually the, the, the first chairs of the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra. We just started with the Concertgebouw Orchestra and we have, we're, we're scheduling now um, members of the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Then we've had soloists, uh, a variety of soloists like Milos Lefova Ansnes, um, Misha Maisky, of course, who's, who's Latvian, Renaud Capuçon, Benjamin Apple was our first vocalist. We're going to be happy. He'll be, it'll be followed up with um, Alice Kut, who'll be giving um, a masterclass uh, in voice. We have other, other soloists um, planned for the near future, including Jefim Bronfman. So it's, uh, it's, a, it, it, it's something that again, was born out of necessity, but has finally taken a life of its own. And it's something that we will pursue. Um, there was a, a little bit of reticence on the part of the students and the uh, professors, uh, the professors meeting the professors at the in, in Riga, because all of this is done in collaboration with the Jaseps Vitols Latvian Academy of Music, um, and particularly Tom's um, Ostrovskis, who's the 
Uh, he's the head of our academy, but he's also the head of the performing arts department and the associate professor with the piano department at the academy. Um, there was a little bit of reticence there about this online concept. It was so new. They love it now. They love it because it, it's this chance to work with uh, orchestra musicians or soloists that probably never would have come or never would come to Riga just because they're so busy. So it's just it, it's affording people, young young artists, this opportunity, be it for just a couple of hours to to learn something that, you know, that or, or at least have a contact with someone that they probably could never have had a contact with. Um, the, uh, what else can I tell you? I, uh, yeah, that, that, there, there you go. That's that's fantastic. So the participants are all um, students at the Conservatory at the Academy of Music. For the mo yes, for the, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah. because of technical technical issues, we wanted people in a room. Um, we had to work with um, students who were, and they're, they're students who come from different countries, but they're they're all uh, studying at the academy. That's fantastic. So, and I mean, I think this is one of the things that has been um, so noticeable in this online world, which has um, challenged many and has taken a lot of getting used to, and it has its challenges and it has its opportunities. But the bit that the globalization and the kind of, you know, the ability to have people from all over the world participating in a thing um, without having to travel or be in a space together is, um, is, you know, there are so many great examples of how this is working. Um, and I'm glad to hear, knowing what it's been like for students of music in um, the UK and the US this year, is, uh, is, um, or last year as well, it's good to hear of some students getting some really good outcomes from this. Yeah, and then, and then, also, and also then people get to watch. So a, a, a normal, a, a member of the public can actually watch these um, online masterclasses and, and they're greatly appreciated. Like I said, you can watch them live or you can watch it um, afterwards on, on YouTube. And I think we've we've counted up to 150,000 views so far, which again, for a festival that didn't exist, has had one year. It's just an amazing, an amazing result. Absolutely, and I, I mean, I personally have loved seeing the um, the surge in online masterclasses in general because I completely love watching masterclasses. And when I was studying, I could not get enough of watching other people's masterclasses. And it's just something you don't get once you're out of study really you don't get that same access to other people learning and the and the the um absolutely you know the input that can be got so the fact that these have become so readily available because it is a it is a much easier format to be meaningful and to be really really good than a concert in general i mean obviously there are there are some amazing online concert experiences that have happened but i do think there's an awful lot to be said for the uh, for the online masterclass yeah in general. yeah, yeah. Um, no so so we'll continue with we'll continue with those because they're so yeah. they're just so wonderful um, but we will this coming summer introduce um, in-person um, master classes, and for the moment, what we have scheduled are, um, and again, these are one-day one-day events because of the, the the availability of the artists. But um, there'll be Andras Schiff, the pianist, will give a master class, and then Leif Ovansnes, he gave an online master class, and now he'll give a uh, an in-person master class. There'll also be um, musicians from the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra who will be giving master classes. And there may be some other surprises that we announce um, within the next few months. Fantastic. So there'll be a combination of online and in-person masterclasses going forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Wonderful. How exciting. And yeah. um, so great. So uh, now let's talk about the um, the idea of music being piped into forests and beaches. <laughs> this is just like incredible. <laughs> what a fabulous idea. Yeah. So like I said, it was... Um, uh, 
it's two, so two hours of recorded music, um, the works that should have been performed in 2020, um, as often as possible, recordings by the artists that should have appeared in the festival, um, taking place in outdoor venues. We're, we're obviously talking about summertime, so it's wonderful weather. So either, I mean, there's like the area, this, this grassy square in front of the Latvian National Opera. Um, there was the Yurmala Beach. Um, there, there was also um, a, a former, uh, an area that was an industrial port. Um, I, I don't know if I can pronounce the name. I think it's Andrei Sala. Um, so they did something there. And like I said, each time it's um, people are invited, you know, it's free admission and people are invited to come and listen. And you'd have, you know, you, you can you can sit on um, these, you know, uh, deck, deck chairs. Um, you can bring your own picnic. Um, you can actually buy picnics there by uh, provided, you know, sold by uh, restaurant partners. Um, there were there were light uh, installations um, that were done by um, Chris Salmanis. Um, and then before each um, uh, musical soirée, there was some explanation about the repertoire that, that was being that was going to be heard. They um, we managed to do nine um, in 2020. They were attended by over 1,500 people. And as I mentioned before, it's um, something that will be um, will be repeated again this summer, even during you know during the festival. Um, it could also be, for example, um, rebroadcast. I mean. Uh, um, broadcasting the actual live concert in it. For example, if there's a concert in Yurmala, we could do a musical soiree in, in Riga for those people who, who weren't able to get a ticket. Um, and it's just, it, it's just, it's a wonderful way of mixing the beautiful nature of these two cities. The music um, brings forth of the festival again and its efforts to bring culture to the people there and to, um, you know, and to expose them to international artists. It's just, it was just a wonderful, wonderful initiative born of something a little bit negative. Yeah, it's, it's very, it's a very inclusive um, way of enjoying music. Do you think it reached people that wouldn't have come to the festival otherwise? Absolutely. Yeah, because you're, you're again, imagine, I mean, you, again, you can see, you can see video examples on, um, on the YouTube channel. You, you absolutely get a sense of people feeling so free and so um, um, uh, not, not uh, weighed down by these these traditions and these rules that one has to follow in a concert hall. So it's, it's this thing of just walking around, uh, eating, drinking, um, and it's, but this, but nevertheless respecting everybody else and listening to the music and, and enjoying really an, amaz an amazing moment. Sounds fabulous. <laughs> Sounds most desirable. And <laughs> um, lucky that Riga uh, um, and Latvia were in a position to do that because even that kind of thing would have been not possible at certain points uh, over the last year um, yeah. in terms of the restrictions and so on. Although last summer, I think it would have been just about okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that's um, that's just so good to hear. I'm just kind of imagining, uh, you know, a nice, a nice evening spent <laughs> on a beach with some classical music as I uh, as I sit and, here in February. And, can I, and, and if I can, oh, no, I can, yeah, the weather's not great. And I can, and if I can add the the. Um, the fact that somebody might have come up with this idea during the normal course of running the festival, but you get so, so bogged down with putting it together, you know, yeah. promoting it, that you just don't have the time and energy to come up with ideas like this, you know, or they come along occasionally. So it's one should actually be grateful um, to have had this 
chance to step back. Um, and so early in the life of a new project, but to step back and say, okay, what else can we do? And it's just these things have now will now be part of the, you know, part of the, the DNA of the festival. I spoke to someone who's on an artistic programming committee for a London orchestra a few months ago, and he said that they had found that the process of planning for COVID friendly, as it were, concerts had freed them up artistically a lot. Um, shorter programs, smaller audience number requirements, all this mm -hmm. kind of thing. Would, would yeah. you agree with that? Just the general, that the, you know, that the, the removal of the, of the, um, the norm, is it freeing artistically? Well, so and we could, we can talk about this when we talk about twenty twenty one. But for the moment, the difference is we didn't, we did not have not have to. We have not yet um, organized anything under any kind of government restriction, mm. right? As far as yeah. concerts are concerned. So it's for the for the moment when we planned twenty twenty one, it was with the idea that there be no restrictions. Yeah. Um, maybe. Um, social distancing in the hall for the audience members, but we, ne we, it never, you, if you look at the programming for 20, for 19, 20, 21, it's all very, very similar. Um, so I think we've haven't, haven't had this challenge yet. Um, we may, I hope not, we may, but so I, it's, it's difficult for me to say that we've been, um, that has created sort of artistic freedom, um, just because we haven't had that situation. No, I understand. I sort of meant in the sense that it, rather than putting on anything like what was planned, you've gone down the route of the um, of the music outside and the uh, online ah, music yeah, yeah. and so on. Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. There, I agree with you totally. Yeah. <laughs> and um, do you want to move on to twenty twenty one? Sure. Or and if you do, you want to talk two minutes two minutes about the documentary? Yes, absolutely. No problem. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, as I said, it was a three-pronged reaction to what could one do to fill the void of a canceled festival, and um, one of the one of the trustees, particularly on the board, um, wanted to pay tribute to Mars Janssen's with a documentary. And there was a um, actually in the beginning, it took different forms, uh, but it ended up being a ended up being a documentary, and it's it's um, being directed and conceived by um, Peter Manura, who's British. Um, he's an award-winning television producer and director, and he's got more than 25 years of experience, including at the BBC, uh, EBU, etc. And the, he came up with this great idea, which is instead of a traditional documentary that tells the life of life story of some of someone, um, he decided to put the focus on or tell the story through the eyes of the musicians of the four orchestras that Maris Janssen's led as chief conductor and music director. So also Philharmonic, the Pittsburgh Symphony, the Concertgebouw Orchestra and the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra. And so we work closely with them. They will each contribute performances um, in, you know, in, in dedication to Maris Janssen's for this documentary. There'll be interviews with the musicians, with the conductors conducting them, um, and there'll be archival material. So it's a, it's a wonderful, fresh way of telling Mars's story and the little the little I've seen so far of some of these interviews with the musicians, it is so incredible. This perspective, um, which is a perspective we don't often seek, and it's the people that are closest to him that that were not only professionally involved with him but became friends, 
and spent a lot of time talking about life and um, you know issue you know matters that are not that are extra musical. Um, so we're we're working on that uh, diligently and expect to be able to have it out by the beginning of next year. The time it takes is uh, because of the fact that the orchestras, um, it's difficult to schedule these special performances with them, um, but it's an exciting, exciting project. That's very exciting, yeah. And um, yes, I can imagine the, uh, the logistics are challenging at the moment, but uh, so a longer term one than possibly might have otherwise been, but yes, it sounds yeah. uh, fascinating and a really great, um, great portrait, I'm sure. Thank you. I'm, I, I, I'm sure as well. I'm sure as well. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, so, 2021? 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Always it sort of like fills me with excitement to talk about the prospect of some music happening. <laughs> Absolutely. And we can and we could talk about we could talk afterwards about um, how, how we're approaching 2021 and then you know and the COVID etc. Um, so, but if just if um, we just review. Um, the program um, for next summer. It'll be four, um, four weekends. Once again, each weekend anchored by a, an international um, orchestra. The first weekend, um, which is the, from the 16th through the 18th of July, will feature the Bavarian Radio Symphony Orchestra. This is an orchestra whose name you hear very often because they're, they're, they're a, a de facto orchestra um, in residence. We've been inviting them every year. Um, it's, it began with a relationship with Mars Janssens, but it, has, it has now become something where they're, they're an incredibly strong partner um, in everything we do. So they'll be coming back and this um, summer they'll be led by John Elliott Gardner. Um, and the soloists um, that will be performing with them are Yuja Wang and Andra Schiff. Um, during that weekend as well, we have um, Matthias Gurner, the baritone, um, in a recital with um, the Icelandic pianist uh, Viking Gurr Olafsson. Um, so again, that, that combination of two orchestra concerts and then a recital, and then there'll be two noon concerts with some young, young artists. Um, then the, the, the next weekend after that, we have, which will be the 6th through the 8th of um, August, we'll have the, the St. Petersburg Philharmonic, which is led by um, Yuri Temirkanov. Uh, and the soloists with them are uh, Truls Merck at the cello and then Renaud Capuçon um, at the violin. And then the piano recital uh, is on the, the last evening is uh, Arkady Volodos. Um, we always try um, to include at least one orchestra from Russia, um, not only because they're nearby, but because the, the, the musical quality is just so amazing. So we had the first year we had the Russian National Orchestra, and then in 2020, we were supposed to have the St. Petersburg Philharmonic, and amazingly, we were able to find the opportunity to have them um, come the following year. So, um, and then we'll, we'll work with other Russian orchestras in, in the future. Um, the third, the third uh, weekend, which will be the 27th through the 29th of August, will also be, I hope, the first of many visits from the Concertgebouw um, Orchestra in Amsterdam, this time being led by um, Daniel Harding, and then the soloists are Jeffing Bronfman uh, at the piano, and then the famous soprano, American soprano, Renee Fleming. Um, and then the, uh, the recital evening is with another singer of great repute, which is Bryn Trefel, um, giving a wonderful recital. He did, um, I, just as an anecdote, we did a, I, I mentioned we did a press launch in September, 
And we asked him, would you, would you mind doing a little small little message that we could show during the press conference, thinking that, you know, he wouldn't have the time, he wouldn't have the interest. He did the most amazing, amazing message, which shows this, I mean, this man is just the most incredible personality. We're really, really looking forward um, to hearing his recital uh, this coming summer. And then the last weekend is um, featuring Andres Nelsons, the Latvian conductor. Um, and he'll be coming with the Bayreuth Festival Orchestra, um, which we know from the Bayreuth Festival. The orchestra itself rarely tours. Um, it's never been to Riga, which is rather astounding in that um, Wagner spent two years in his mid-20s as chief conductor of the city theater there. And he began work on Rienzi, the opera, what I think is first successful opera. He wrote the, the whole libretto and he, he composed the first act. And um, there's, a, there's a great um, passion for Wagnerian opera in Riga. There's a wonderful society there. And, but for some reason, the Bayreuth Festival Orchestra has never made it there. So this is a, a momentous event. Two concerts of just Wagner. Um, we'll, one evening will be uh, act one from Die Valkyrie, um, and it'll feature Christine Goerke um, as a Siglinda, Klaus Florian Vogt as a Sigmund, and Günther um, Groisberg as the Hunding. And then another evening with um, arias um, and overtures, uh, again, featuring uh, Christine and Klaus Florian and doing excerpts from Parsifal, uh, Lohengrin, and then she'll sing uh, Brunhilde's Immolation. Um, and so super excited, not only because of this incredible Wagner uh, connection, but also because it's hopefully the first and definitely not the last time that Anders Nelson will, will be appearing um, at the Riga Yermili Music Festival. We're extraordinar extraordinarily excited. Um, the, the recital that weekend is with the Portuguese pianist Maria Joao Pires, who's also um, an amazing figure, um, not, only the, not only amongst pianists, but in the world of classic music and beyond. So it's just, it's just a really, a really uh, fantastic program. The, the noon concerts, I mean, feature, like I said, young artists who have won the Tchaikovsky competition, but there's also the King Singers, you know, so it's a, it's a variety also of, of artists at, at, um, for the noon concerts. Well, I mean, certainly no holes barred there on the uh, on the programming. <laughs> I mean, it's just huge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, and thank you for talking us through it. That sounds, you know, if ever anyone was in doubt as to whether they should try and get a ticket, we all know where we stand now. Um, so, so tell me about um, what happens. You know, what what could go wrong? <laughs> Let's dive straight in. Yeah. You know, what what what. Do you have concern? I mean, obviously, we just don't know. This is the most unpredictable thing that's ever happened in music. We've never, I mean, I was actually reflecting on, I was talking to someone the other day and I said, you know, I don't think I've ever, ever cancelled a concert before last year. I've been promoting concerts for a decade. I don't mm -hmm. think I've ever cancelled something. They go ahead no matter what happens, no right. matter much everything has happened. Right. Um, and so, yeah, to have this, this situation, which really is, again, all the kind of, um, potential um, risk assessing that we do is is uh, times a million right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so talk to, tell me your thoughts on, you know, what what maybe you're concerned about, how any kind of um, mitigating planning you've had to do. <laughs> yeah. So as you mentioned, it's uh, we're in the unknown. 
Um, it, the situation is changing, if not on a weekly, sometimes on a daily basis. Um, you know, on the one hand, you have this wonderful news about a vac a vaccines being rolled out. Um, on the other hand, you, you, there's all this other contradictory information as to, as to you know, new strains. And I, I, don't, I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. And governments are reacting for those countries where it is still possible to have live events. Countries keep changing the rules, you know. So one week, an orchestra can perform with everybody on stage, no social dis distancing. You might have social distancing in the hall, but then the next week they tell them, you know, you have to be like five miles apart. And of course, you know, you, there's nothing, you, there's, there's nothing you can do. There's no, it's, you're very limited in repertoire. So I think that um, the first, the first thing to do is to be constantly on top of this changing situation and always have possible scenarios up your sleeve so that by the time you get close to your performance date, you can attempt, I mean, the first thing is to try to save your performance, um, to try to save the, 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 the spirit of your performance, right? Because you don't want to go from a full orchestra concert to a, a violin um, recital with piano. So, so you want to, you, you want to try, those, those are your two main goals. And then, so you just try to find um, possible solutions that you can implement quickly um, in order to go forward. So today, what we're assuming is that there will be no social distancing on stage, um, but that there will be social distancing in the hall. So we're only selling 50% capacity. Um, uh, of the, we're only selling 50% of the, the tickets uh, for each performance. It goes without saying that if these rules are relaxed even a little bit, we'll put more, more tickets on sale. So that's the, first, that, that's the first step we're taking. Then afterwards, we're, we're in constant touch with the orchestras um, to see what's happening on their sides. Um, if, if it gets to a point where I think there is a, you know, there is a, the, we're going to accommodate as much as possible. So if there's social distancing that requires a stage extension, we will absolutely put that in place. If there's, you know, we, I, we're already thinking about regular testing. I don't know if it'll be daily or every few days, but absolutely daily testing of the musicians um, will be something that we can easily, we want, you know, we will implement if necessary. Um, we'll require testing before they depart um, to make sure that there's, you know, they're not coming with any kind of illness. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll implement, again, as required, we'll implement testing of temperatures when people arrive at the hall, we'll have, you know, obviously hand sanitizer. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll look at so many different um, potential solutions to whatever problems somebody throws our way with, like I said at the beginning, with the goal of putting on the concerts the way they are announced, even if, even, even if we have to limit the audience to 50% capacity. Yeah, I think that's, it's an interesting point you raise about um, keeping the, um, the feel of what was originally um, announced, which I think, I, I guess, is the, the challenge for a festival that is so focused on, on large orchestras, is that mm -hmm. it's sort of, you know, really, um, there has to be a, a, a certain level of um, freedom of, of movement and lack of distancing required to be able to accommodate large orchestras. So yeah. it's interesting to hear you say that a priority is that it makes a lot of sense, obviously. And do you think there's um, an element perhaps also is that obviously if they'll be traveling, you don't really get orchestras traveling in, in, uh, in small groups anyway. <laughs> you know, they're either coming or they're not. They're either coming or they're not. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's hope that they do. And, um, 
you know, fingers crossed, it certainly sounds as though Latvia is, um, is uh, in an enviable position in terms of uh, freedom of movement at the moment. Um, so let's, let's very much hope that this incredible uh, programme for the second full iteration of your festival can, um, can take place. It's been absolutely brilliant to, to hear about it. Thank you very um, much. Thank you. Um, Miguel, the conversation about the achievements of the Riga Yumala Festival, both under lockdown and in terms of your plans for 2021, has been so encouraging after all the difficulties that we've been facing. You have such a great programme and such a diversity of events. Uh, I have to say, I especially love the open air concerts, bringing recordings to audiences. You could not have experienced a live performance and the freedom that brought that you to you and them. The Academy is also such a fantastic initiative and the masterclasses are going to provide such a terrific online resource for so many people, even if they're not professional players themselves. Uh, so we'll be watching what you have planned for 2021 with great interest and keeping our fingers crossed that this will be able to go ahead as anticipated. Thank you. It's, hard, it's um, so exciting to think those events are on the horizon and uh, well done for planning them under such difficult circumstances. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your insights into the festival and the journey you've been on since 2019. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Works podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe, check out our other great episodes and even better, leave us a review. You can also sign up to our mailing list at www.polyphonyarts.com forward slash mailing dash list for updates and news about what Polyphony Arts is up to for all you classical music folk out there. You can find more information in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, I'm Katie Beardsworth and I look forward to sharing with you the next great episode of Music Works. Music Works is generously supported by Alliance Musical Insurance, the UK's number one musical instrument insurer. Alliance Music Insurance, serving the music community since 1960, proud to be the insurer of choice for over 70,000 musicians. Music Works is a Polyphony Arts production. Thank you for listening.